on digital radio across the UK, online and in your ears right now. Welcome to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. Well, would you believe it? Four shows down, only two to go. I might start crying in a bit, although that could just be hay fever or underlying emotional issues dating back to my childhood. Hello and welcome to this podcast from Union Jack Radio and me, Jeff Lloyd. Now, because you listen to this podcast, um, this this means maybe you don't listen to radio, maybe you're just a podcast person, which is very naughty of you. Uh, give Union Jack a go. It is a mildly eccentric national radio station that plays six decades of the best of British music and comedy without any annoying presenters. Well, most of the time. I mean, there's me. I am quite annoying, it has to be said. Even I know that. Retune your digital radio now to Union Jet Radio, or after this, or whenever, really. You know, you've probably got a busy life. On this show, Britain's best comedians take me on a trip down memory lane with the help of Google Maps. We've had Nottingham, we've had Luton, and this week is no less glamorous. Shazia Mirza takes me around Birmingham. Birmingham, dating back as a settlement to the Anglo-Saxon era when it was called Beormingaham. Say what you like about the Anglo-Saxons, but they really didn't skimp on the vowels. Birmingham burgeoned during the Industrial Revolution, becoming the second city, meaning name. We all know it's Manchester, really. Sorry, I couldn't help it. And in the 20th century, gave us music from the likes of ELO, Duran Duran, UB40, and the patron saint of Brummies, Ozzy Osbourne. I remember, I remember, I remember being in a, in, in a club when I was out in London. I don't... Birmingham is also the hometown of Shazia Mirza. Shazia is a former science teacher turned comedian. You will have seen her on things like Celebrity Island with Bear Grylls, Have I Got News For You, The Jonathan Ross Show, and she's cropped up on loads of stuff doing stand-up. I went to have Botox the other day, and the surgeon said to me, that's $8,000, please. I couldn't even look shocked. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and with the help of an iPad and Google Maps, I'm about to take Shazia time-travelling to the streets where she grew up in Union Jack's hometown glory. Shazia Mirza, Birmingham. You are, you are of Birmingham. I am from Birmingham originally. What, what's the name of the hospital you were born in? Queen Elizabeth Hospital. So if we if we look it up on Google Maps, which is then. amazing now, it's one of the you know when Malala was shot in the head, she was flown straight to the QE Hospital in Birmingham for treatment. It's a massive centre, a university hospital, teaching hospital, and it's a ma- it looks like a TARDIS. It's huge now. When I was born there, it was very small, but it's become a massive institution now. And do you think this is because of you? People are saying Chelsea I th- was born I, I there. I think so. I think there's a blue plaque with my face and name on it right outside the QE. I know people run Birmingham down, but it's uh, got some great things about it. Well, here's the thing. I'm from Manchester and I know you studied... Yeah. in Manchester. Yeah. And there is this thing where people from Manchester think, yeah, but we, we, we are really 
the second city. I mean, what what they got in Birmingham? The Bull Ring. Well, I, I meet people from Manchester a lot, and they always say to me, musicians in Birmingham have really they have not really done that well as the Manchester music scene. Oasis, all these indie bands that were trendy, and we've you've 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 got UB40. It's all UB40 oh, is always they the one. always run us down. But you know, there's UB40, ELO, Ruby Turner. I mean, there's some really great, and we've got a much bigger and better variety. We have way more multicultural than Manchester. We've got loads more cultures and races and religions in in Birmingham than you do in Manchester. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you can't get a bolty in Manchester, can you? You don't even know what a bolty is. I do know what a bolty is, but it's a Birmingham thing. Were they invented in? But it's, it's Birmingham. It's, it's the type of dish that they cook in a particular curry. curry in, yeah. Right? And I, I would hear like spoken of almost as if it was. Um, the stuff of legend table none so instead of having a tablecloth on the table you would just have a huge none that you could then sort of rip off as you went along is that yeah. real yeah it's real it's really happening this is true okay, it's okay. not made up it's not a myth you're, you're selling Birmingham to me <laughs> so has your mum ever talked about what type of a birth you were where, where do you sit in the, the thing is my mum's had five children Right. I don't think she really cares. It's just, I think she just popped them out in those days, didn't you? <laughs> so where are you in the in the lineup? I'm number two. Okay. I've got three brothers and one sister. Yeah. And do you feel as if you're the favourite? Not at all. I think that's why I became a comedian because I wasn't the favourite. Are you the funniest though? Oh God, hands down, <laughs> hands down. Although my parents don't think so. I don't care. I use them as material. Which, which? Let's type in an address. The, the house you were taken home to. Where, where about some? It was Twenty Grosvenor Road. Hang on, I'm just going to type this into my Google. And you know, it's one. Of, you know, like you always remember your first phone number or your first postcode. What was your first phone number? It was o one two one four two seven seven. And when you used to answer the phone, did you say the number? Yeah. Yeah. And it was bizarre, really, because it's like you don't open your front door and say hello number number eight <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in I'm in on my screen I'm in Grosvenor Road now Grosvenor Road Harborn I was number 20 Grosvenor Road now. oh so here we are we are on our screen we're at 20 Grosvenor Road is that for sale now I think it is I yeah. wonder how much it's going for you're going to buy it with you um, have I got news for you money no no way I would not go and live in the house I was brought up in why not I think it would just be two bad memories like, right <laughs> or just who wants to go back to their childhood like I feel like I've grown grown out of it grown so much Been, I've been all around the world now you why do I want, want to go, go and live in Birmingham <laughs> why do I want to go back and you live know, in Birmingham Ringo, Ringo Starr got disowned by the Liverpool for fairly much saying the same thing on a chat show did he you, you want to be careful here did he the say first, that first date of your tours in Birmingham did he, the thing is the Beatles once they left they did not go back no and they did not go and live there no they went and go, went and living in the Hamptons. Paul McCartney's in the Hamptons. Yeah, and all yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't go back and live <laughs> in the terraced house which she was brought up in in Birmingham or Liverpool. What did your parents do for a living? Uh, my mother was a teacher, um, but she had five kids, so she stayed at home and looked after the kids. And my dad did loads of things. He um, did like used car salesman, uh, cash and carry warehouse, drug dealing, <laughs> you know, wheeler dealer. He was like Arthur Daly, really. So, were there a lot of weekends spent as a childhood sitting in the back? your dad's car while he went in to have a meeting with somebody. My dad always had new cars because he worked in a in a it was a massive showroom and it sold new cars. Yeah. So we'd go into the showroom and we'd sit in the cars. He'd always have a new car, but it was kind of cars like Toyota Corolla. Right. You know, 
Renault. No, nothing glamorous. More, it was never a Bentley. <laughs> what is, um, what's the first real memory that you've got? Not a story that's been told in your family over and over again, but the first, first thing you can remember. Birmingham in the 70s was really pretty grim, really. When I look back on it, like when I say grim, the buildings were dark. There was a lot of smoke. It was very dark. People were very poor. Everyone was on strike. Thatcher was in. There was bin, uh, bin bags in the street that hadn't been collected. The, the dead were going unburied. The teachers were on strike. Yeah. Did you like the teachers' strike? I remember enjoying the teachers' strike, though, because it meant I got the afternoon off well, school. Well, we'd, we'd always be in the chip shop. You know, it was a real big thing, having a bag of chips. Yeah, yeah, chippy Proper tea. chips, like, made from potatoes. And Birmingham's an interesting one, because in the north you would have your chips with gravy, and down south you don't. Yeah. But in the, I mean, where, where do you where do you sit? We on the, had that curry divide? sauce. You had curry sauce. We had and sometimes mushy peas. Right. Um, but it was like it was a grim time, you know. And then the Yorkshire Ripper was on the loose, and these were all things that were happening as I was like when I was eight, nine, ten years old, growing up in Birmingham. It was a and grim. you'd pick this stuff up from the news and you'd feel terrified. Like. Honestly, the Yorkshire Ripper was on TV all the time. And we just remember it said, women, don't go out in your own at night. Even though we were in Birmingham and he was up in Yorkshire. Yeah. And my mum would go, he's only up the road, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a really dark time because there was no internet. Mm. I mean, there was barely fax machine. I mean, if you, if you were rich, you had a fax machine. Yeah. Nobody had a fax machine. And you had one phone in the house which was locked away. And you had to use, you could only use with special permission. Yeah. It seems like millions of years ago. It does. It feels like when you talk to your parents about what was it like in the olden days as a kid, yeah. and it seems you know they say the past is another country and all that. Yeah. That's that's what those days now sound. You sound ancient if you I, were to tell a millennial this stuff. But we we lived in a time pre-internet and internet, so we've seen it. What life was like before the internet, mm. and now we, we've got the internet, and these new like these millennials, they don't know anything. No. I mean, they don't know anything. No. All they know reading CFAX on the lunch breaks. I fat. Oh, well, you, do you remember when you used to book your holidays off CFAX? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could get a really good deal, two hundred quid, five weeks in Barbados. I remember <laughs> being so bored that I would just sit and read the C-fax. holiday deals on CFAX, even though I was a kid. It wasn't was going on a holiday. It was brilliant. The TV was the greatest source of entertainment yeah. at, at that time, that era. There was nothing else to do. No. Was there stuff you weren't allowed to watch? Yeah, anything which had a, a man and a woman with less clothing on than a, than a man reading the news. I mean, my mum and dad would just storm down the stairs and go, what is going on? Why is he not wearing a tie? Get it off. <laughs> You're listening to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. Will we go to your primary school? What was what was the name of the primary school? Well, I went to two primary schools. One, the first one was uh, Harborne Infant School. H A A B B O R N E. And I was very naughty there. I got caught stealing biscuits from the headmaster's office during break time. So I was uh, I was made to stand up in assembly, and I was told how naughty and awful and a thief I was. Wow! What can can you remember doing that? Can you yes. remember the, the the biscuits were three p each. They were called threepenny biscuits. And what made you feel entitled enough to just sort of well, steal I had, them? Well, I had no money and I wanted the biscuits. So I went into his office and I stole a whole load and I got caught. Wow. And how, did, how did you get caught? How did they know it was you? Well, a teacher came in and caught me and my friend with our hands in the biscuit box. Uh, literally with your hands in the in the jar then. And so my mum and dad, they took me out of that school because they felt that I was becoming very naughty and they put me in a Roman Catholic primary school called Our Lady of Fatima 
where I was the only, me and my brothers were the only two, three brown people in the whole school. Is it still there, the Our Lady of Fatima? It's still there. And they made us go to Mass every morning. Every morning I would have to take Holy Communion. I had to take, I, wouldn't, I wasn't allowed the wine, but I had to take the body of Christ, which was the bread. I had to sing in Mass. I had to learn to play the guitar. They made me play Mary Magdalene in the school play. It was full-on Roman Catholic. Because at Our Lady of Fatima, if you were normal you would get the slipper. Right. So if you were a boy and you were naughty, you would um, get the slipper on your hand or on your backside. And if you were a woman, if you were a girl and you were naughty, you got the ruler on your hand. See, I, I, I remember the ruler and the slipper and I always thought the, the ruler, if anything, was more severe than the slipper. Thought, I'd rather be hit by a slipper than a ruler. It was very, it was very hard. Um, but I, I did become good while I was there, very disciplined. And did you get into all the kind of Catholicism stuff? I loved it. Um, I, I, you know, name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost all the time, everything. We used to have to, we used to, have to do that before exams. Um, I was the only kid in Birmingham who could say the Hail Mary in Urdu. I mean, <laughs> I was born... So did you feel jealous that they got to have the confirmation and, and dress in those sort of lacy dresses? And, you won't and you... believe this, but actually I thought that Roman Catholic religion was way more fun than the Muslims. Wow. They got to drink wine from these massive silver cups. They had a man in a dress at the front. I mean... Were you were you in, like, nativity plays and yeah, stuff? Yeah, I played Mary Magdalene in the school play. Were you any good? I turned it into a comedy. Everybody was laughing. Everybody thought it was hilarious. Why? I, what? I found I found the body. I was at the tomb when Jesus was resurrected. <laughs> and you decided Sunday. to play this for laughs? I don't know why. I turned it into a comedy and everyone was laughing. I thought it was really funny. That was my first time being on stage and feeling laughter. And I thought, I really like this. And you thought, this this is for me. The approval of this many people is for me. It confirmed to me there must be a God because I found comedy through God. (laughs) (laughs) And did you... I I was trying to look for Our Lady of Fatima on the the screen. but I I just saw it there. Oh, you did? Which way? Yeah, yeah, look. There. Oh, there it is, right. That's the driveway. Yeah, so we, can, we can't get in close to it. But no, because who, who God, was best... God, is, God is protecting the yes. school. Yes. <laughs> who was your best friend? There was Vicky and Melanie, or these two blonde girls. They were, I know they were only 13, but they were blonde and pretty. They got right. to all the best jobs, like they were door monitor, so they got to hold the doors open. Nice. Whereas I was bin monitor. I had to clean out the bins. <laughs> Did you feel victimised? <laughs> That's thought, a lousy job. I thought that that was... That was my first inkling that blonde, pretty girls have an easy life. (laughs) You learn that when you're very young is that that does happen. Where was your local cinema? We, I never went to the cinema growing up. We weren't Not allowed. at all? Never, was never allowed. My parents were... Ver- my, mom, my mother was very much into sport. So we used to go to swimming all the time, tennis lessons. My brothers played cricket and football. It was all about being the best. You had to be the best educated. And were you in... in when you, the test results had come in school, were you always at the top? I was on, I was at the top, not all the time, sometimes in the middle, but they were mad about education and learning. Any extracurricular activities like cinema, no, not allowed. Cinema, what are you going to do with that? Cinema's not going to help you be a doctor. So can you remember like the first time you went into a cinema then? Oh, do you know I must have been at university, maybe about 20? 
Wow. Yeah. Things that I wasn't allowed to do, there was so much. Wasn't allowed to go to parties, wasn't allowed to drink, wasn't allowed to wear short skirts, uh, wasn't allowed to have a lot of friends. I mean, there were so many things I wasn't allowed to do and you just rebel. When you get to university, what do you do? You take loads of drugs and you spend three years off your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't until you went to university. Running around in hot pants and high heels. <laughs> That's just to the lectures. <laughs> so if it was your birthday, would you, would you have a party then with the... No, wasn't allowed. And I was really, really annoyed about that once I organised my own party and invited all my friends round and my mum and dad didn't know. And all of a sudden, one one evening, Thursday evening, all these girls turned up at the door and my mum went absolutely mental. She said, you've got to go to the door and tell them there's no party, it's been cancelled. And I said, well, what do I tell them? I was about seven or eight. What do I tell them? I didn't know what to say, so I said, I'm really sorry, but my mum's forgot to buy the jelly. <laughs> That's a very good excuse on the spot. It's totally ridiculous. She's forgotten to buy the jelly. The party's been cancelled. So are you a good liar in, in life? Yeah, I, I had to. That's why I went into comedy, isn't it? You can tell lies. <laughs> comedy solves everything. If you're a lonely child, mm. if you were bullied as a child, if you felt different as a child, comedy solves all of those problems. So where were you funny? Like in, in what environment were you funny? I don't think I was funny. I was an attention seeker, and I think that all of that led to comedy. Obviously. Welcome to Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory on Union Jack. So the 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 second primary school you went to was an all girls school. Yeah. And then when you went to secondary school, was that also an all girls school? Yeah, all girls school. So what was that? What was that one called? Lordswood Girls School. So was there like um, an equivalent boys school? Yes, there was over the over the way in the over the over the hills. So this is called Lords Wood. Yeah. Lords. And uh, it was an all-girls school and our head teacher was like Thatcher. She had this handbag like Thatcher and she wore these heels and she walked through the corridors and if you heard those heels you would there would be absolute silence. You'd sit in your seat, Thatcher's coming. And it was run by lesbians. Every teacher was a lesbian. We had these lesbian PE teachers. It was a great school because the women were very strong. Right. We had the odd couple of male teachers. Oh, my God, we ate them alive. We <laughs> ate them alive. We'd never seen a bloke. We'd never seen a bloke before. A bloke walks in. We had this biology teacher called Mr Horn. H-O-R-N-E. Oh, dear. That's oh a bad God. start already, right? He did not last two minutes. <laughs> we were stalking him. We were following him home. Leave letters in his desk. <laughs> Um, I mean, it was full on. I mean, I think it's very difficult if you're a young, good-looking biology teacher. You come to teach in an all-girls school where they've never seen a bloke, they've never been in contact with a bloke, there's no boys around, and you are like one of three male teachers in that school, you're not going to last. I mean, it must be like being in a boy band. Yeah, it was. We were all over him. We were all over him all the time. Poor Mr Horn. I know, he didn't last long. Would would there be interaction between Lordswood Girls' School and Lordswood's Boys' School? Well, um, not really. And it was really frowned upon if you were a girl and you were going out with a boy. Right. You just didn't do that. Right. You didn't go out with boys. It's like you were you were being taken away from your education. So would you have crushes then? Well, we had to because we couldn't. Apart we, from Mr. Horn, who who were your crushes? Because we had we couldn't put anything into action, so we had to. It was all a crush. It was all a fantasy. We all fantasized about uh, boy George, um, and then somebody and broke George, it to you, George Michael, and somebody broke all, it to you. All, all the gay ones, Liberace, Barry Manilow. <laughs> we were all into the gay ones. We didn't know they were gay at the time. 
have you done any therapy as an adult? Which might sort of look but into. Well, I what... speak to loads of other young young women, and they say that they everybody fancied George Michael. George Michael, yeah. Everybody. These were kind of men that were effeminate that we kind of like. Women like that. Yeah. And then yeah, you yeah. find out they're gay. Yeah. And you go, oh, what a waste. Here we go. Here we go. All the good ones. All the good ones are gone. So were you allowed like posters on your wall and stuff? Would we have found George Michael on your wall if you were 14? No, it was not halal. It wasn't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> so did you feel like you were living a life that your parents didn't know about? Yeah. Because that's what part of being what a teenager is, right? But that, that when I look back, that was the best bit. It's the secret, the secrets, the secrets life that you live you don't want your parents to know everything I don't I don't like I've, I've got a son and I don't want to have that type of relationship with him where you're just talking about it. stuff like that let's have a bit of a generation gap I think it's I healthy think, I, I don't I understand it when these girls go yeah my mum's my best friend hang out with my mum I went clubbing with my mum oh my god there's something wrong with horrendous. that horrendous going clubbing with your mum going yeah. out with you my mum's my best friend I tell my mum everything I think <laughs> well, you, well you're stupid then there's no mystery there how can you tell your mum everything your parents wanted you to be a doctor. A doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, you know, something respectable. Right. And, and you yourself ended up being a teacher for a while. I was a science teacher. So were you looking at the teachers in your school and thinking, they've got it easy? I think initially people go into teaching and they think, oh, you know, I can make a difference. I can help kids. Um, I really enjoy my subject. You know what? That lasts for about six months and then you want to get the hell out of there because you're worn down, you're exhausted. Kids are throwing chairs at you in an inner city comprehensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? To go and be a teacher in an inner city comprehensive at the age of 21, it's just too... You're too young. 21. You're too young. The kids were 16. I fancied some of the boys. I mean, (laughs) they were 16. I was 21. I was thinking, God, you're taller than me. You're bigger than me. There's only a four-year age gap. (laughs) Is is that so wrong? Yeah, I need to leave. I need to leave. What did your parents think about you becoming a teacher? Well, obviously, they loved it because it was all respectable, weren't it? Because it's like a proper job. They could go and tell people, you know what, my daughter, uh, she teaches chemistry you know in a secondary school very good Uh, so I pissed them off and became a comedian that shut them up exclusive to Union Jack Welcome to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory. Did you have any sort of Saturday jobs or things after school? Oh, yeah. I mean, I used to work at Baskin Robbins in Birmingham City Centre. OK. 31 flavours of ice cream. And what's that, like in the ring or somewhere? Where? That was in the Paradise Forum. And I there was 31 flavours of ice cream. But and what, you, what's the perk? What's the perk of working there? Well, you get loads of free ice cream. All and your friends come in, you give them free ice cream. And, and did, you, did you go a bit nuts on it? Well, there was 31 flavours and that was just too boring. So we invented about another 60 more. We'd mix the rum and raisin with the strawberry and the chocolate and invent a new flavour. We'd, uh, we'd, I mean, that sounds horrendous. It, people would buy it. They wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> we'd, we'd mix the Milky Way chocolate um, with um, uh, chocolate chip, mint, banana. I've just Bubble looked up flavor. the Paradise Forum on the screen <laughs> and it's the most depressing thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks Birmingham. like it's from a war-torn that's, country. That's Birmingham for you. <laughs> What's it done to your relationship with ice cream? I don't really... Do you know, there's, I hate to say it, there's better, there's better makes out there. Ben and Jerry's is pretty good. Right. It's Baskin Robbins ain't all that. Right. Well, <laughs> <Sorry>. you know... <laughs> When it was time to leave and go to university, you ended up going to Manchester University. Yes, I did. You know, how keen to get out of Birmingham specifically were you? I was you? desperate. I was desperate. I would have gone anywhere. I Why? Got a, I got a place at Bangor University and they asked, they said, oh, if you get two Ds and an E, you can get, you can come and study chemistry. They were that desperate. 
I thought, my God, anything. I thought, I'm going to get out of here. No, my parents wanted me to go to Birmingham University. Nobody goes to university from their house, from their home. You just don't do that. The point of going to university is that you go to university, you get drunk, you meet loads of people, you go to all-night raves. Were you doing any of that in Birmingham by the time you were in no. sixth form? No, no. So no. even at, like, 17, you no. weren't sneaking out? No, and... weren't allowed out. Right. Weren't allowed out. So obviously, I went to university in Manchester... Oh, in the 90s. Oh, my God. You were mad for it, as we it used to say. It was crazy. Look, we'd go to a rave on a Tuesday night. Yeah. A Tuesday night, Wednesday night, go to lecture, go from the rave to the lecture. It was brilliant. And would your parents come and visit you? They weren't allowed. I, I wouldn't give them my address. <laughs> <laughs> Only on Union Jack. You're listening to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory. Shazia, with love from Saint-Tropez. Yeah. Tell me about the show. The show is about many things. It's about the state of the world. I mean, there's some stuff about Brexit and Trump. And then there is stuff about, you know, everybody's a feminist, atheist, bipolar and vegan. You know, everybody's one of these things. How many of those boxes do you Uh, you tick? And I'm talking about how about if you don't fit into any of those boxes? What do you do with yourself? (laughs) What do you do with your time? I'm none of those things. I've got nothing to talk about at parties now. And everybody's trying to force someone else in to their thing. Yeah. You're not vegan. Oh, my God. You're vegetarian. Because I did the island with Bear Grylls. I'm vegetarian, but obviously we were starving, so I ate a crocodile when I was there. Not did, hot. You didn't wrestle a crocodile, personally. I didn't know. And uh, I came off the island. I started getting death threats from vegetarians. Wow. Going, you said you were a vegetarian and you ate a crocodile. I mean, I just... And then somebody said, oh, you did a good job representing the vegetarians. I thought... I'm not representing anyone, just myself. <laughs> so they, they just wanted you to starve to death to make a point. And I was, well, we were in a survival situation. People that say they're vegan or vegetarian, that's all fine. But in a life and death situation, you would do anything Yeah, to I've, I've been vegetarian for 20 years. Yes. However, I'm vegetarian because there are plenty of other things to so, eat. I mean, if you were dying on a, on a deserted island, which is what was happening to us, I know it's a TV show, but the situation was real. We, I had to eat a bit of the crocodile. And how did how did it um, how, how did, did it you, taste? Yeah, how, how did it taste? And how did it? Awful. I mean, it, and, and I just ate a bit to keep alive because we hadn't eaten for ten days. Can, I, I don't know if there's a, a delicate way to put this, so I'm not going to try. Are butt plugs involved in your show? Somewhere? Yeah. What happened was I was uh, I went on holiday to Saint Tropez last summer, and I was on a beach. It was a normal beach, and then at the end of the beach, it turned into a nudist beach, which I didn't know this, but in France, that's quite common. Yeah. There was a woman in front of me wearing absolutely nothing but a butt plug. And I didn't know what this thing was. I didn't know what it was. Uh, so I went up to this French man and I said, what is that? Qu'est-ce what is say? that? And he said, oh, you know, it is like a decoration. It is like a garnish for the ass. And I was like, you know, being an Asian woman, I said, what do you mean, like parsley, coriander? I mean, what garnish for the... I've never heard anything like this. And the thing is, it was a diamante butt plug. So in the sunlight, it was shining in my eye. In an annoying way. Uh, it was annoying because I was trying to read the new Harry Potter at the time. And everybody on this beach was British. I know this because they were trying to look at it from the corner of their eye, but carried on reading the paper. And also, you know, the British on the foreign beaches They're you know, we're the ones wearing the most amount of clothes and we've got a cardigan in our bag just in case and we pretended not to look but everybody was looking on top of this five days later they banned the burqa 
And I just thought, hang on a minute. They've done <laughs> there, there are things to get to before the burqa. So you can walk around and start raving naked in France. But if you want to cover your head, that's not allowed. And this is really, I just thought this is crazy. And this is about uh, censorship. I mean, that butt plug opened my mind, really. I mean, I mean, it's not all it opened. <laughs> Do you have any uh, merchandise for sale at your shows? No. Butt plugs. Who Shazia wants to Merza buy a Shazia Mirza butt plug? I mean, this is just not me. It's just, <laughs> it's just not me. I can't put my, ne- I can't put my face on something <laughs> that is not me. That would, that's obscene. Oh. I don't think my Guardian reading audience would go for that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory on Union Jack: A trip down memory lane with Britain's best loved comedians. If we were going to go back and de- demolish some place from your childhood, where, where would you want to see raised to the ground? Um, uh, probably the, the first house where I grew up. Grosvenor? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd want to demolish that. And that was out. sharing with your siblings, having to share a small it amount of space cramped. with It was cramped. It was... I just... That, it suffocated me to death. Well, it's for sale. I mean, you could do that. You could buy that house and, and knock it down. You, why would you want to? So there's not. Is there a person, um, maybe like the drama teacher or something? You'd, you'd sort of like to go back and. Look I loved at. my school. I loved. Go- yeah. I loved being at Lordswood. I loved all the girls that I went to school with. They were all great, and we keep in. I keep in touch with most of them. And um, if if you could meet yourself at any stage of your childhood, is that the stage you'd like then? Sort of teenage Shazia. No, I think. I think uh, my years in Manchester and then um, coming to London, I think, were the best. So we're setting the controls of the, the TARDIS or whatever we've got. We're going nowhere near Birmingham. No, I, I don't think... I, a lot of people, they do move away from where they were born. There's no siren call of Birmingham luring Shazia back then? No, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Palm Springs, you know? It's better than Birmingham, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Only on Union Jack. You're listening to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory. And that's it. Thanks so much to Shazia for taking me round Birmingham and opening my eyes to butt plugs. I must remember to delete my search history. I'll be back in two weeks' time for the last show of the series in which the lovely Nick Helm takes me on a trip down memory lane. But don't worry, we are already deep in planning for Series 2, by which I mean we've, we've already bought some biros. We just need some paper now. Thanks so much for listening. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians. Well done. You've made the incredibly clever decision to listen to Union Jack Radio. Six decades of the best of British music and comedy. Don't in the war. But that's not all. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians. Mark Steele, hello. Hello, Saturday mornings from 11. <laughs> Underdogs breaking the best new British music. How regularly are you giving it to each other? Hosted by Lucy Leeds. <laughs> Best enough you've had. Wednesday evenings from nine. And don't forget, Andy Murray's 15 Love Songs. Topical comedy with famous guests. Hello, it's me, Jacob Rees-Mogg. Sunday mornings from 11. All of this on one little radio station. Union Jack! Union Jack! Union Jack! Union Jack! Union Jack. <laughs> Bloody Nora! Playing 
the best of British. This is Union Jack. Tell a friend.